Greetings and welcome back to episode number 89 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. We have team member from MKW Creative Co., Alex Berardi, on the podcast today. She is a senior video editor. She's been working with our team for a year now, if you can believe that, and has worked across many different projects. She also has a fascinating backstory, and I know you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Don't forget to throw Alex a follow at Alex Grace Media and enjoy the rest of the episode. He's my aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. We have a team member on the pod today. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. Long awaited, but definitely like better late than never, of course. Um, I'm so excited to chat with you because I feel like you and I are always on the same creative wavelength when we do our check-ins and we have so many cool projects in the works and so much growth that's happened since you started with the team. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell them who you are, what you do and who you help? Yeah, sure. So I'm Alex Berardi of Alex Grace Media, and I am a video editor. And so I focus mostly on short form videos, and I really geek out on the storytelling aspect of it. I am an actor first, and that's kind of how I found my way into video editing. So, you know, we'll get to that. But so storytelling is really my sweet spot. You know, I love that part. And then bringing that into short form videos has been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how we got connected? I think it was through Ashley, who I just had on the podcast a few episodes ago. Yeah, it was. Um, so I had gone through Ashley Pollard's program, Square One Accelerator, which I think she's since amended or you know changed around a bit. But um, it was a phenomenal program, and I got in at such a great time. But it was during the pandemic. So, you know, everybody's sitting at home, just like, I need to change, you know, trying to figure out how to make their life work for them, which is kind of what I was, I was wanting to go down a more creative lifestyle kind of route. And I found Ashley through another actor, Sam Valentine, who has a podcast, One Broke Actress, and started working with Ashley and had actually gone into the program for a different business venture. Uh, working with neurodiverse students and performing arts. And uh, she was like, you know what? That's great. And you're working with them on video editing. I think you should like look at that also as something that you could do. Because, you know, I'd, I'd done video editing. And um, yeah, so we started building that business for me and got connected with you through Ashley. And uh it's like, so you were one of my very first clients. Uh-huh, and I remember. I, yeah. And I was working with, it was you I was doing short form videos with, and then I was doing YouTube videos for some other clients. And oh my gosh, Michelle. I mean, I tell you this all the time, but I feel like your guidance has been one of my biggest growth, you know, um, your guidance has been one of like the biggest ways that I've grown in my video editing because graphic design and design in general is not my strong suit. And so when it comes to that, having your input, your feedback, and just hearing you talk about it has been 
so helpful. And I just feel like I take all of that and then I run with it for other projects. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, and you've grown so much since we started working together. Like, I think that there's, it's really incredible. And also, let's just talk about how much video has changed since we started working together. It's just yeah. crazy. Like, there's so many layers, there's so many opportunities, there's so many platforms now. But I almost want to hit rewind a little bit farther to before you found Ashley, in the beginning mm-hmm. of your kind of professional career path journey, take us back to kind of some of the early days and how you decided that like, did you always know you wanted to work for yourself in a creative field? No, I, I, from the time I can remember what I wanted to do, I just wanted to be an actor. Like Mm -hmm. I'm one of those, like, I don't, I remember wanting to be an FBI agent for like a minute because we had one at career day and it was, you know, like the very stereotypical, like, but I decided it wasn't that I wanted to be one on TV, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it was always that. And then I got pregnant when I was 18 years old and had a son and I thought, okay, well, I'm probably not going away to college anymore for acting. So I need to find something a bit more stable, but also something that maybe will feed into acting a bit. And so I got my degree in psychology and it's been a long winding road of what I've wanted to do. You know, it was, well, maybe I'll be a therapist. I don't really want to do therapy. I love, Mm -hmm. I love listening to people and hearing them, you know, being that person for them, but I don't think I want to be a therapist. Uh, So then I started working at a school for neurodiverse students. So I had a classroom of autistic students, about four or five of them that were kindergarten, first grade level. And so I got into this like neurodiversity kind of field and loved the community, did not like teaching, you know, just like a standard sort of curriculum Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. kindergarten, whatever. And so then I went back and worked at this other, uh, I worked at a summer camp and an after-school program as the assistant director. So I was doing administrative work and then I moved on. I mean, Michelle, it's like job after job after job. And everything I kept getting sucked into was the community and an opportunity Mm -hmm. to create. Finally, I started working in sports marketing with Atlanta United, and it was there during 2018. It was their championship year. If you don't know, Atlanta United is Atlanta's professional soccer team. Um, So we won the cup that year, and it was the first time, right? It was the first time that it was the first time I was a part of a job with a lot of creativity. You know, I did mostly events marketing. Uh, but we worked closely with the digital team and I also was able to do some hosting on some videos, you know, Mm -hmm. which fulfilled my little actor heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and then the pandemic hit and that's when, and let me back up a bit. I I'd mentioned that I was working with neurodiverse students and I wanted to develop this program. That's how I found Ashley. So I'd been doing these after school classes with these kids and we were doing basically content creation. I mm. was showing them, then they were high schoolers, a group of neurodiverse high schoolers, and I was showing them how to work Adobe Premiere Pro and Canva, you know, and we made like a micro documentary. So that was really, I think I'd done editing before, but that's when like I started really developing a love for it. So yeah, so then I came around to video editing with Ashley and found my own voice. Yeah. 
yeah. with it. I think that's really important too, because I think there's still this misunderstanding of video editing and video content creation as it kind of has that same similarity with like the early bloggers. Do you know what I mm. mean? Where people are like, oh, you just really like like writing about yourself or you really like, you know, uh, taking pictures on a nice camera without sure. people realizing that that's a full-blown career path that is very enviable and very lucrative. Like I think yeah. that that's how a lot of people feel about video because they're like, oh, you just make these little videos on your phone and like it's less so, but the number of decisions you have to make for a video to be successful and to feel seamless are so much more complex than taking a nice photo, in my opinion. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, bringing it back to this storytelling element, like, it doesn't matter if you're making a video that is from a podcast, you know, where there's really seamless sort of storytelling elements, or you're making some kind of video with a trending audio and stock footage, like you're still telling a story and Mm -hmm. you still have to find, you still have to find those like points that you can fit Mm -hmm. together and that makes sense so that when somebody watches that video, they're like, you know, either like, oh, I get it, like, cool. Or they're like, wait, what did I I just think about this? (laughs) Right. You know, and both of those I think are amazing, you know, ways to take in video. But yeah, I think that it's, even even if I, and this sort of goes to that conversation of Canva and mm-hmm. graphic mm-hmm. design, right? That like people dump on Canva all the time mm-hmm. about if you're a real graphic designer or whatever, but Canva is a phenomenal tool to use. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes for video editing apps and even like TikTok. And you really put me onto this because being a newer video editor, I was like, I've got to just do Adobe or Final Cut or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the beginning of the work we were doing together being like, okay, you know, if if I'm not doing something in Canva that's sort of like a a pre-made whatever, then, then I need to make it in Premiere Pro. And one time you were like, you know, even if you just made this in like Instagram. And I was like, literally. Literally, literally. And this is where, yes. And this is where people are starting to lose their minds, right? Because like the tool does not make the artist. And I think that that's a really powerful distinction. And it's hard with as much technology is coming out for artists to feel like they're losing their special factor, right? Like that they're losing because Canva can do graphic design, graphic designers feel threatened because you can shoot nice photos on your iPhone, photographers feel threatened. And I'm very much the camp of like, I am a full like utopian technology person. (laughs) And I was like, if something can make my job better and easier, like you best believe I'm going to use it because you could absolutely do the things that we're doing in Canva and After Effects in Premiere Pro in, you know, all these amazing tools. But if I can get it done in a fraction of the time and it serves the purpose for the client, which is the biggest thing. Like, right. we're, I'm not trying to flex my Premiere Pro editing muscles on anybody. I'm trying to deliver the quality of work for the client per the scope of work. And if right. that's the case, use whatever tool helps you do your job the best. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think... If it gives access to, I I do not like I'm gatekeeping can just like see its way out, please. If it gives access to people who a can't afford an Adobe subscription, which is like a bajillion dollars a year, you know, 
or don't have access to a computer that's even going to like run that software, then they have something that they can learn on, that they can start getting clients on, and then they can like level up. And then it's fun because then you Mm -hmm. understand the principles, you know, even with like after effects. Mm -hmm. I know we'd had conversations where I was like, I want, I just want to know after effects better. And I think had I tried to start learning after effects before I understood certain principles, it would have been like a shit show because it Mm -hmm. just would have, and some of it was in the beginning, you know, like looked terrible, but also you have to make the shitty stuff to get to the good stuff. Always, always. And the way I kind of explain it to like clients and people on my team is like, I always use food analogies because that's just how my brain thinks is if you're (laughs) teaching someone and as someone with a teaching background, right? Like this is going to click because if you're teaching someone to cook, you're teaching someone who's never cooked before to cook. You're not going to start them off with beef Wellington. You're going to start with a grilled cheese sandwich and you're going to say stove, butter, bread, cheese, grilled cheese sandwich. And then we're going to work our way up, right? We're not going to go all in on this like super complicated layers and dough and meats and temperatures and all this. Like you're just going to lose yourself in the process and probably get discouraged and probably quit. And I think that's why a lot of people get burnt out. Exactly. And it's like, it's like muscle memory, you know, like if you're, if you're, I love this analogy too. This is something I learned when I was, um, teaching mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's the old, like if you're playing baseball and you're learning how to bat, like the, the, your coach might come behind you and kind of like motor model it for mm-hmm. you. Right. And you're going to really suck for a while, but the more you get, I'm not a great mm-hmm. bat swinger, but like the more <laughs> you get the motion down, the more your body remembers how to do it. And it's really the same thing. I think it's like this this mind-body connection of like, okay, I'm understanding these elements and my body is also understanding what to do with like the keys on the keyboard and all these shortcuts and, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah, you, you, you have to fail. You have to make mistakes in order to get to the good stuff. And sometimes you just have to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> like right. I I am definitely that person that like if I can get 70% of the way there, I'm going to just go with it. Because also I think with social media with how fast everything moves, you're missing an opportunity to fail forward if you're stopping yourself by not even trying. Because even when you mess up, you're feeling for like you're feeling forward. Okay, this didn't hit right or this didn't really sync with the music the way I wanted to or this video didn't get a lot of attention online. So like, how is it that this really strong message that I thought was really going to resonate with people? How do I how do I present that even better, even more compelling, even more intriguing? Right. That's, I think, what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Okay. so I have a question for you. Okay. Um, Sort of on this topic of like trying things and allowing yourself to fail. So because I feel like you really geek out when you see something new and you're like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like what, you know, so at what point do you decide with things, um, okay, I'm going to try this and I'm going to let myself fail, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to learn. Or maybe something's like, I'm going to try this. When do you decide it's like, no, this isn't working. I This doesn't belong like in my life. Yeah. Um, being an early adopter has never fucked me over. So that's the first thing. Like I went, was the oldest in my family, tried all kinds of things. My parents told us you can try any sport you want, but you can only do one at a time. 
So I was very much like, a, okay, I'm going to try gymnastics. I don't like it. I'm going to try ice skating. I don't like it. I'm going to try soccer. I don't like it. And so I had that really healthy, but my parents told me you have to see out the whole season. You mm. cannot try and quit within one season. You have to. And whether you hate it or not, you will finish out the season. At the end of the season, you can decide if you want to play again. And I think that that gave me a really healthy mindset of like, okay, it's worth it. But also if it's uncomfortable in those first few like stages, like it, I might change my mind by the end of that thing running its course. Right. So, um, that I've kind of adopted in other areas. Like I was really into study abroad and then I was really into traveling. And then I was the youngest one on these Wi-Fi trip trips by like years because I was 24 and was also one of the only ones with my own business. And they're like, how did you get here? And I was like, I don't know. Like it just kind of, but that's never like being the first one to, to dive headfirst into something has rarely, been a negative experience for me, which I know is mm. also like a very privileged position to be in. Like that's a sure. very lucky privileged, but it goes back to like, so what, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, so what, you know, like trying a new social media platform. Like I never really got into Twitter, like yeah. never really jumped into Twitter. Cause I was like, I don't really feel like those are my people. And I tried and I tried tweeting and I, I scroll it and I enjoy it, but I don't put the pressure on myself to try to be, to try to exist on Twitter also, Mm. you know? So like, it's also like watering the flowers and not the weeds. Like if you're dumping your time, energy and effort to something that's not giving you that return, like focus your energy on the things that make you feel good and the things that help drive towards your goals. Cause if you're spending the time on the stuff, that's not getting you closer to what you want, then you're missing the opportunity to be bad at the thing that you could eventually like. Right. Do you feel like that's an authenticity thing too? Like if you realize that, um, well, Twitter, I don't feel like I'm being authentic following like the Twitter, the way that Twitter does things. So this is not my jam. Yes. I think that Twitter is the only platform that I just don't, my brain can't figure it out. Like Facebook from really early on, Facebook for business, I understood completely. Instagram, I understood completely. TikTok, I'm like, oh, I get it. I understand the appeal. Pinterest, love it. Like I would say Twitter and email marketing are the two things that I'm like, I just don't, I think I also hesitate when I'm not a consumer of the thing. I have a really hard time making content for the thing. It's like, you will not find my work on Behance. I'm not on Behance (laughs) at all. And like for some designers, that is a cardinal sin because they're like, that's where designers go, but that's not where clients go. Right. None of my clients have heard of Behance or Dribble right. or any of these places. So, no. okay, I could put all my work on there and I could get a bunch of engagement from fellow designers, but I don't, designers don't hire me. <laughs> We're right. all the same. So like, why would I put my effort and energy into a thing that's not towards my goal? Totally feel that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think the video stuff gets me extra jazzed because I studied video in college, like yeah. briefly. I took like two or three video, it was technically my like sub major, um, video art classes. And I was notoriously terrible at filming things because I did not have a photography background. I did not feel strong in photography at all. I did not feel like I had composition or lighting or any of that stuff. That was so not my vernacular, but I had sculpture background weirdly. So I had like sculpture plus video. And then I also was just like this rebel in the art department that like refused to take a drawing class because I really didn't like the drawing drawing professor. Sure. And I was like, "Mm, I'm more interested in like the computer stuff anyway. So I was doing sculpture and video and they, there's so many similarities and like really it's come back, comes back to the foundations of art. Like you're saying like those basic principles of understanding 
contrast, composition, form, light, shape. And even when you start to get into video, like you start to get into the audio experience, the visual experience, whether there's synchronicity or there's rupture within that. Like, are they going together? Are they fighting against each other? There's all these cool layers with video that I think make it so fun. And I also love that video feels so much more like temporaneous. Like it doesn't feel like it has to Mm. exist forever. Yeah. Whereas drawing and painting and like these really classical fine art art forms, I felt like it had to be like the most beautiful, amazing, accurate thing ever to exist. And it couldn't just be like an off the cuff, like, yeah, I just banged out this video. I'm like, there it is. And that's going to have this life and whatever. Like, it just feels way more casual to me. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I think how cool is it that like people can get on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and make these day in the life videos that are literally the messiest clips thrown together. And it's beautiful. And I think it's beautiful because it's life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, there's this film director that I love, Drake Doremus, and he puts together these films and the editing is like, you hear sort of the conversations happening over almost like different parts of the scene so that you're not seeing them talking always at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's messy and it's choppy and it feels so real and raw. And I think that short form video uh, of course, there are videos that are really clean and and meant to be more of that experience. But I also think a lot of the trending videos are so messy. Oh, and totally. And they're so just like, totally. oh, I relate. Oh, this is life. Like, I totally. relate to this. And so, but in that, there's still you know, it would be interesting to sort of look at, look at them and see like, well, why did this day in the life video, like get so many comments, (laughs) even if it's not somebody that's like thriving on TikTok and this day in the life video, like what, what are those minor differences between those? And you know what? I don't really know because I don't usually make day in the life videos, but I think it's really interesting. It's a great case study. It's a really Mm -hmm. great case study because it reminds me of what my film professor used to tell us, which is like, when you make videos, your, your, your raw material is time. Your raw material is you, you can make, and one of our first assignments for that class was you had to make a five second video feel long and a five second video feel fast. Same amount of time, but just in the editing and the composition and the music and the visuals, you can manipulate time and your sense of time. Like how many of us have gotten on TikTok and been like, oh my God, I've been scrolling for 25 minutes already because you just get sucked in and like something's compelling and then you're down the rabbit hole and you're binge watching and you're like, and then other times you can see a video and you're like, I don't have time for this and like put it down because it's too much. Right. Right. Today's episode is brought to you by the number one Canva mock-up you're going to buy all year, which are my Canva editable social profile mock-ups. Building a brag-worthy brand for your clients means showing them exactly how you envision their visuals scaling from platform to platform. So I've created nine realistic Canva templates that you can use as mock-ups in your brand design or social media presentation for things like social media pitches, marketing game plans, brand design, the best part totally editable in Canva. We've got Instagram, we've got Facebook, we've got TikTok, we have LinkedIn, Pinterest. There's nine of them in here for a whopping $27, which means that they're only $3 per template. It's going to save you 
oodles of time and it's going to be so professional and look so wonderful to your client to really give them the idea of how you see their brand coming to life. To take advantage of this, hit the link in today's show notes or go ahead and search Canva mockups on mkwcreative.co. Search Canva mockups on mkwcreative.co. Good luck. Enjoy. So I think that if to bring it to back to the, maybe the person that's listening and like has a business and they're like, yeah, okay, interesting. But like, how do you actually implement on that? And like, why is this relevant? <laughs> I always like come back to the listener, right? Um, right. But I think when you're thinking about video, think about it beyond just being the thing that you have to do and like consider it as a medium itself, like ingredients to play with. Right. Well, and think about how we're sold things these Uh days, Mm -hmm. you know, with started out like with influencers on Instagram posing, you know, with pictures. And now it's like, you know, Amazon finds and Mm -hmm. uh, like I've bought so many things from videos like that, or I've found so many services that I'm interested in or apps that I'm in, like almost everything that I have purchased or started following in the past year or two has been because I saw a video about it. I have to pull up this Canva presentation. Keep going because I have the stats and I want to read them because I think oh, they're going to I think they're going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yes. So, but yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's like a, a and and it can be anybody too because I feel like even with Instagram and this may be like going into a body image kind of thing, but even sure. with the influences on Instagram like it was a very specific type of person. Yes. You know, and now people don't even have to show their face if they don't want to. They can create mm-hmm. a whole account that's just like a voiceover and showing whatever it is that they want to show, or they do. And people are becoming so much more inclusive, I think, because they're seeing more representation of like real life people. Of course, there's still issues within that, that like certain creators aren't being pushed out as much, but like, I think there's more authenticity now that people are seeing and more representation people are seeing, you know, which is so beautiful too. It's the same sensation as breaking the fourth wall. So when you watch The Office or you watch Ferris Bueller and they're in the scene and then he turns to camera and the camera and says, da, 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 or you get right. Albert, like looking deadpan into the camera because something ridiculous is going on. It's video, especially short form video, especially off the cuff, messy organic feeling video communication, like it feels like it breaks down the fourth wall and it feels like you can jump through the screen and be in it. And I think in the same way that like influencers and Instagram brought editorial magazines to a, now it's not just the model that you see holding the Gucci bag, but it's this person that you've followed online for six years that you know what their pets names are. And you, you got to watch them go on vacation and you like have an understanding of like what they value and, and you've seen them grow. Now you have a more of an emotional attachment to the person that's like now posting about their Gucci bag. That's a ridiculous example, but it puts a person to it. Right. And it and it makes some things feel more attainable too, I think. Like certain lifestyles and certain, you know, even with mm-hmm. DIY videos, it's like, oh, wait, I could do that. You know, like I can build an elaborate cabinet in my living mm-hmm. room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I can just like take the joy in observing somebody do it because it's not totally. something I would have sat around and watched 
in my day-to-day life, you know, it's that, it's that stuff too. Like I am super fascinated by like glass blowing videos, and like things that are so ridiculous or like extreme mountain climbing. And it's like, how, why, how did I get here? <laughs> oh, I know. I think it's, it's so like crazy. watching regular, it's like watching regular people that could be like your best friend do these things that you're like, oh my God. It's like having that friend that's like, you do glass blowing. I never, what? I got to see this, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're there and it feels like, you know, them, you Completely. know, Completely. Okay. I do have the presentation up with the statistics. I Are need you ready? to see this. Yes. I want to hear it. Okay. 59% of people spend a quarter or more of their time on social media watching videos. Quarter or more. So like of the people that spend time on social media, more, 59% of them say they spend at least a quarter of their time watching videos. I think it's probably higher. That sounds low to me. <laughs> I'm like, su- right. Like I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. like, I mean, uh-huh. think about it. You you walk around and you just see, instead of people sitting around reading books now at, you know, while they're waiting for a train or whatever, they're scrolling, looking at mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. It's how we take in all of our information. And I would even argue that like you can get more information in not even, that's not even an argument. It's just a fact. You can take in more information from watching a video than you can reading a post and looking at a photo. Yeah. Because you're getting that person's tone of voice. If they're doing a voiceover, you're getting their aesthetic, you're getting the music, you're getting the visual cues, you're getting the visual style, you're getting whatever the message is. Like there's so many more layers when it's moving and when it's capturing something than when it's stagnant. Yeah. And I, I think too, that, that sort of it connects everything, right? And it makes me think of when I was teaching um, my students, a lot of times, especially the older ones, like if we're, it's not just we're going to read this book, we're going to listen to the audible, we're also going to have the book available. We're also going to maybe have like a sheet with some keywords dotted out that you can kind of sketch on so that here's a kinesthetic, you know, activity for you to do. Here, this is for auditory, you know, like how can we stimulate your senses in every which way so that not only are you enjoying this material that you're taking in, but you are you are completely engaged in it. Your yes. entire body, your connect it's like goes back again to this mind-body connection. You're connecting everything so that you can take in the entertainment, you can take in and retain the information, you know, which is yeah. so important. It's like accessibility. Yeah. It's the same reason why we make playlists for every single hotel lobby candle. I because love the playlist. The candle is just one sense, but we have to communicate like, yeah, you're smelling it and you're seeing it, but to communicate the feeling that we're trying to connote from a coconut vanilla sandalwood jasmine candle, like you're gonna have a tropical chill house music playlist. Like those just two things to, in my brain, those two things just go so hand in hand. Right. So to like elevate that even more and bring that as part of the experience is like so fun. Why not? And that's the thing is like, it's, I, I really don't think that it's the, it's always, it's not the product that sells always or the Mm, service. mm -hmm. It's the experience or like who you think you're going to be because you've gotten that, you know, like if it's a service, like I'm, you know, signing up for Ashley's square one, I'm going to sign up for this because I feel like I'm going to be like badass, like boss Mm -hmm. after doing Mm -hmm. this. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take, you know, that's what sold me with the candles. Like, yeah, I'm, and if you see it in a video form, then it's like, 
you are experiencing it before you're actually experiencing it. And then you feel like I have to now. I have to know what that's like because we're just curious. We're curious human beings, right? Like it just helps us. It just gets firing on all all neurons. So to your point, the number behind that, 84% of consumers say they're more likely to buy a product or service after seeing a video on it. Yep. So like, hello. Even Duh. even still, like I'll find something from Amazon or something and I'll be like, wait, I'll try to think of like, there's one like Julian Claire or something. Gosh, I hope that got, I got that right on TikTok. And I'll be like, does she have a video on this? Because I need to see it in action, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many crazy examples of that. No, absolutely. And also it's just like you're, you're starting to paint the experience for that person, like you said. And I think it's really easy to make these examples out of like products, right? Okay, so you're trying to sell right. candles, you make videos of candles. But if you're selling and not even selling, if you're trying to communicate a message around a service or communicate a sense of community, like we do with same skin, right. it gets a little bit more um, muddy as to how to do that. But I think we're onto something in a really specific way. So pe- for people who don't know same skin, can you kind of explain what we've been able to do with, with that project? I, everybody on our team that works on same skin is obsessed, is obsessed with same skin. Okay, so Same Skin is this phenomenal community that is all about like raising the voices of women of color. Mm-hmm. And and so what Michelle is setting out to do is Michelle Klein, create- not Michelle me. For yes, clarification. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I'm typing in Basecamp like I'm Michelle, I'm like, wait, yep. is it the right to it? Um she is creating this community where people they just had this event where people came in and they're creating this opportunity for vendors to sell things and for artists to be heard. And it's really beautiful and stories to be told. So that's like, you know, you go on the website and you can read stories from people all over that have submitted their life story or something that was like something about their business or something that was really important to me or to them. And yeah, so what we've been doing is just like testing out these different video formats of how do we grow this community with video. And I think what's really cool is that the storytelling videos, the videos where like from the event where we have these women who are up telling their story in person, those are popping off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. I think it's with that project specifically there's not a super clear, she didn't set out to make the business to make money. I I guess I could say it that way. Of course, that's a goal, but that's a byproduct of a larger goal, which is telling stories and connecting people. And the telling stories and connecting people part came from her own observation of a lack of representation of women of diverse backgrounds, being able to tell their story, either of their business of their own personal success, of their own personal sacrifice, of unlearning generational traumas, of finding, you know, uh, independence through their career, finding support through motherhood. There's so many facets. And I think creating space for all of those to exist and becoming a brand that becomes almost like an encyclopedia of so many people's stories is such a cool way to approach this. I love that. Oh, an encyclopedia. Right? Yes, I love it's that. It's just so becoming much. this bank. It's just absolutely a content bank of like, here are people that had things stacked, had cards stacked against them and like came out on the other side to at the very least just tell their story. 
Yeah. If not to like go on and flourish and thrive and, and, and make connections and make money and grow their business and do all these things, but the very, at the very least to share their story. Right. And representation is so important. And it's, it's the same thing, you know, like I go back to this a lot, but I care so much about this neurodiverse community is Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, even autistic creators have had this opportunity to get on these platforms and tell their stories in ways that they, they just didn't like nobody listened to their perspective and their life experience before. And Mm -hmm. so any, any diverse community, whatever that means, like, should have the opportunity because the world needs like we need to see more than just like what's right here in our peripheral, you know, like of course, of course, and where we so often we don't even get that opportunity a lot of times because we don't go out and look for it. But right. when we're when we have platforms like TikTok or Facebook even or, you know, Instagram and and if we're on there, you know, like 59% of whatever it was scrolling, looking at video, we're bound to come across more people and more experiences and more perspectives. To that point, the TikTok stats that I have are mind-blowing. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> so TikTok, as of this quarter, has 1.8 billion active users, which is equivalent to 20.83% of the world population. So one in five people in the world is on TikTok. That is that is so outrageous. Isn't it? That's that's a huge platform. Uh-huh. That's so huge. if anyone tries to tell you my ideal client is not on TikTok, <laughs> I would really challenge them otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think people I wonder sometimes if when people are resistant to being on TikTok, if it's because a it doesn't feel authentic to them. You know, like they've they've never really been a video person. So like getting into that feels difficult, but not difficult in like, oh, this is hard for me, but difficult in that I don't understand how this fits in my mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. world. Um, but I think that's just a matter of like, well, get on and just like do a little scrolling yourself. And see how other people, it's like doing market research, you know, see how other people that are similar to you are using it. And and you can find your authenticity. Like you, video is all about, can be all about being you and Absolutely. being authentic. And so if you feel like there's not a place for you as a business on TikTok, I'd say just like, just check it out. Yeah. Just get on and look. It, get on and look, but also follow the data, right? Like I think that, and this is, I think part of the reason why to the beginning of this podcast, I never really got on the Twitter train because Twitter took off like 2011 to 2013. And like, I was in college, like I had no business being on Twitter and thank God I wasn't on Twitter because Lord knows what I would have tweeted in those years of my life. And like, oh, I'm so God. glad I don't have to do damage control because I just wasn't even there. I look back right. at my old Facebook statuses and I'm just like, Oh, cringe, gross. Like, why did I even, why would I Same. even write that as a status? So a blessing and a curse, but, and I, and we may feel that way about TikTok also. Like, I'm not going to say that like this, that's not also going to be cringy in 15, 20 years time. I'm sure it is. Um, I'm sure in five years time, we're going to look at our own lip syncing videos and be like, Oh my God, can you imagine we sat around and we like use other people's words and like, like lip sync to them? Like it's going to be. Yeah. I look at my lip sync videos from two days ago and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yep. <laughs> but it yep. was fun. Yep. You know? Yes. 
Yes. And I think that the data, if we're going to follow the data on this one, um, for micro influencers, TikTok has 18% engagement rate on average versus 4% on Instagram, which I also still think is too high and 2% on YouTube. So if you're trying to grow as a creator, you're trying to grow as a business and you're trying to get eyeballs. I mean, TikTok's your spot. Also 29% of the active users use the app every single day. So 29%. So 29% of of 1.8 billion people use the app every single day. I'm one of them. Guilty. I know. It's so wild. I need to put these stats on my Instagram. and I will share this with you. I will share this with you. This is actually from the presentation I gave to Jessica Marks' mastermind group um, Mm. called How to Actually Create and Implement Reels and TikTok Videos. I am going to probably record it as a training because I kind of give a sneak peek on it on TikTok Live and then a little bit on Instagram as well. And people were interested, but I kind of kicked off the video. And this is kind of where I wanted to take this with you because I know what my answers were, but this is fun, of kind of the common objections to getting started with video marketing. And so then basically this whole presentation is a breakdown of like what the objection is and like how I would debate it back. In another life, I'm a lawyer, like just so everyone knows. <laughs> That's great. Like, I can see that. In another life, I love sure. like crafting an argument. Like I love like finding an objection and then like crafting the argument to like to break that down, right? So I wrote out four pretty common objections to video marketing. And the first one is like, I don't understand it. So let's kind of role play a little bit. Let's say that, you're you and I'm a potential client talking to you and you're saying, you know, you really should get on video marketing. I think it would make a big impact on your business. And I say, I don't know. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. What's your first piece of advice? You kind of said it already, but let's read. I know Well, I was going to say, I feel like it's just make an account, get on and just watch it. Don't even worry about posting anything yet. Don't commit to posting anything. Do you know how many people on TikTok have zero videos up there? True. Just get on, find your like algorithm, you know, get on and Mm -hmm. scroll, like the videos that you find interesting, see how people are using it and then come back and, and see how your perspective has maybe changed. Do you still not understand it? Do you have like more of a grasp on it that we could talk about it and I could help in any way, help you understand it. Because I think if you just take that first step and just watch, you'll learn more than you realize. I always think of like the aerial line from Little Mermaid. It's like, I want to be where the people are. (laughs) It's like, that's where the people are. So if you want to be where the people are, then you have to go where the people are. Such an opportunity. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. What about this one? Hit what me. if somebody goes, okay, I've been scrolling on TikTok. I, okay, I think I know what you're talking about, but now I don't know what kind of med- videos I'm supposed to be making. How do you help them through that? Honestly, to me, I say, let's have a conversation about it. Tell me what you love. Tell me about yourself. Like, because this is where the authenticity piece comes in. And I am all, if some, if I don't feel like I'm being authentic to me, I don't want it. So let's, sit down and have a conversation about you, about your business, about your brand, like all of this stuff. And then we can go down this road of what would work for you. You know, I feel like this social media managers do this. They, they find, they ask these questions and then, and then they like help you pick out videos or trends or whatever. If you don't want to do a lip syncing video, because that doesn't feel like it fits with you, don't do it. And I think that people think that lip syncing videos and trends and memes are like the only type of video to make. Right. No. And And, uh, right. 
Because I've had people that have been like, I just don't understand how doing a dance is going to help. And I'm like, but that's not, that is not the only content out there. And that is like so very little of yes. the content yes. that's there. Yeah. So There's if we so imagine, many other options. If we imagine like all types of video content on a spectrum, right? You have on the one end, the least amount of effort, which are lip syncing trends, memes, slideshows that you can pull together real quick. They have the potential of high visibility, but they also probably give you the least amount of ROI. And ROI, literally, return on your investment of time, or you could call it ROE, return on your energy, right? Sure. So like, I can do a lip sync video in under 30 seconds, post it, and it's fine. The problem is, if your whole account exists of lip syncs, of trends, of memes, we don't get to know what actually makes you tick. So like by just doing the things, you're just creating more noise in an already noisy space instead of being loud in a space without a lot of people. And so I think that that's where I found the early adoption of TikTok to be really, really lucrative for me was I treated it like a case study portfolio, brand design in 60 seconds. And as soon as that first video took off, I was like, oh, we're onto something here. So every time I finish a brand, like I have the recipe for the kind of video that I make that sets up the audience to see the kind of result that they expect from my channel. So now like lip syncs, trends, slideshows, memes, like really less than 20% of your content, the meat of it, like the bulk of it, I feel like is in these case studies, transformations, explainers, interviews, product demos, Mm -hmm. FAQs, tutorials, montages, and vlogs. Like that's so many pieces that you can really like, if you made one of each of those types of video, you're going to find a rhythm of which ones like fit for what you like. Right. And I also think like, start with whatever's easiest for you. You know, Mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm, are into mm -hmm. the lip sync gang, just like start doing that and then find your way into the, you know, other kinds of content. Totally. Totally. That's maybe a bit more, you know, in depth or whatever. So what if you hear from a client, I just don't have time to make videos. Hire me. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. I'll do it. Um, again, I mean, I feel like, and I feel this, I, I'm guilty of this. And honestly, I haven't kept up the best with my pages, but it's sort of, you know, go to your ROI or R- ROE. Like, how much do you need this? If you have a business, then probably video is going to bring you clients or consumers or whatever. So if you feel like you don't have time for this, but also this would be a really great thing to bring you the people that you need. If you're looking for new customers, then hire somebody to do it. And like hire somebody that's on the same page as you so that you guys mesh, you know, that you vibe. Like when people come to me and have a call, I'm like, we got to make sure we vibe first because I can't make the video that you need if we don't really vibe. Totally. You know, it's like finding a a therapist, (laughs) you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I really, I think it's like, well, hire somebody if you can, or make those short little videos that take zero amount of time, you know, a a day in the life vlog where you're just like, clip here, clip here, clip here, clip here, put it together, put on some trending audio, Mm -hmm. period, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and just do that for a while and see what happens there. There's so many different, once you start to look at it, I feel like with a critical eye, you start to notice the patterns. Cause just like with music, there's only a certain number of music notes, right? That's why songs eventually all sounding the same. Cause there's only so mm-hmm. many chord progressions with only so many musical notes. <laughs> it's know. kind of the same with video. There's only so many recipes for videos, right? Like there's only so many types, like interviews versus voiceovers versus talking heads versus narrated versus acted versus like there's only so many in a way and there's only so many that are like can fall into any of those buckets that once you kind of realize like okay I'm noticing that this person does this like this and I think we could adapt that and do it over here like I do that with you guys on the team all the time like hey this video seemed to do pretty well. Why don't we adapt this style and then apply it to the other projects and see where it goes from there? Right. Right. And I do think that some people get worried about like copying. You know, I think that there's a yeah. there's this huge conversation around like what is copying and what is like taking something and making it your own. And I think it's just like the clear difference is if you're doing something word for word, it's the exact same video then you've basically copied it. If you've taken something and you've been inspired by it and you shift things around, like that's what TikTok is. It's people hopping on trends, shifting things around to work for them. And then people are drawn to the person, not necessarily like the trend. And that's why it works for this person and, you know, not for this person because people are following the person. And that space is only going to get blurrier, in my opinion, because because of how fast information moves and because of how fast visuals and trends and social and everything moves, like we're going to get to a place where following that breadcrumb trail becomes less and less relevant because it's just accepted that this is the way that humans communicate now, right? So like right. We'll, we'd never go back to the middle ages and be like, well, you drew a circle and I drew a circle first. So you're not allowed to use a circle because I used a circle. And because you used a circle, I know you've never seen a circle before. And so you have to have seen my circle in order to make your circle like that. That's all going to (laughs) erode. Like, and I think that that's kind of the thing of like, yes, copyright infringement exists for a reason. Yes. Intellectual property exists, but we're all a mishmash of like a, a million ideas a minute. So like, it's pretty impossible. And I found myself like, getting upset when I find, for example, like people using my exact catchphrase on their website. And I'm like, I know you're in my group and I know you listen to my podcast and I know you're in my social media and I know you watch my lives. So don't like blatantly steal. (laughs) Right. Do you know what I mean? That's just kind of like an ethics thing. Right. When it's like the exact, right. It's the exact same thing. That's stealing. That's Mm -hmm. not like inspired by. I do think the lines will get blurred, but I think it's when something is, and they have, but I think you can really break it down to, oh, this is the exact same thing. Like I'm going to make a video and it's going to say, kiss my aesthetic and it's Mm going to be the exact same Mm -hmm. um, colors and, you know, whatever and exact same style. Okay. You know, but Yeah, I'm with you. We'll leave it with like this one exciting nugget because it literally just happened this morning and I'm sure that the podcast is scheduled out for farther than this, but Pinterest just dropped a new app called Shuffles. Have you played with it yet? You downloaded it, maybe. I downloaded it. Yes, I did download it. I looked at it and I was like, this Brain is explosion. amazing. So I haven't played with it yet because I it literally was like I, a couple, like two hours ago that you, I think, told us about it. And um, 
And because I have ADD, it took me like two hours to prepare myself mentally for this podcast, but I downloaded it and I'm like, tonight, all bets are off. Yep. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I'm just doing this. (laughs) Can we just talk about when you open it up for the first time and the whole video that pops up? And let me, okay, let me tell you this. This is something I'm pumped about. And I'm like, how do I make this happen? This has to be something within the app. But like, I have another app that does this. Did you realize that it vibrated when the video was playing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Big fan of that. I have an app that's a fidget app and you just like tap on things and it vibrates and it feels so good. And I'm like, yes, this, I want this Mm -hmm. engaging, immersive. Okay. But that's sort of beside the point. I am so amped about this. It's not far off. It's not. Imagine you're doing, we're doing San Diego open. And every time that the tennis ball in the video hits the court, your phone's getting a little. Like it would be, it's like the cinema 4d stuff. Like it's really fun and it's really exciting. And I think the potential with that is it, what Pinterest did that's so smart, and for anyone that doesn't know, you should definitely like Google it, the Shuffles app, but it, it allows you to take images from your boards and collage them. And then when you have the collage and you're in the Shuffles app, you can click on the images in the collage and it'll pull up the pin. So It's so genius. And like the genius. fact that it hasn't existed until now, I'm like, my brain's exploding. So I was up till two in the morning last night making all those collages. because so my sister sent me the code they yesterday at like 9 p.m., made all the collages, and I texted her at two and I was like, when you call me tomorrow, remind me to tell you how I think you're going to monetize this because <laughs> my brain is already all the, my brain's already five miles ahead of me. Right. <laughs> figuring because out also it's so good. It's no, it's figuring out how this is going to be so good for business owners. This is solving such a huge problem and it's still allowing for such creative expression. It's just like, oh, it just like gives me the tinglys. I agree. And Pinterest, I feel like is so slept on. Like, Absolutely. I would like to learn more about Pinterest and just how and, you know, that whole world and incorporating it in in business. But like, yeah, the ability to click. I, I can't wait, Michelle. I feel like I can't even talk on it yet because I just don't. I, I know. I don't even, I like, I don't I was even understand such, it yet. But. I was being a total thirst monster and I like went through the Shuffles app and I started adding everyone that was like works at Pinterest. And I was sent them a DM and I was like, hey, I have a podcast about marketing and design. Like, would you come on and ex- explain this? Like, because I just really just want to ask questions. Um, so we'll see. So like, stay tuned for a future episode about Shuffles. But if you, it is invite only for the time being. I don't have any more invite codes, but anybody that's listening and needs one, like post in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group. because I'm sure mm-hmm. people will be happy to share their codes um, yeah, for that. I've got a couple. Yeah. Okay. So where can everyone find, follow, connect with you and DM you to ask you for a Shuffles code? <laughs> Right. (laughs) I don't have that many. (laughs) Um, So you can find me at alexgrace.media on TikTok and on Instagram. And honestly, go to the link in my bio and it has a link to my website. It's sort of linked to my actor website also right now, but that link will take you directly to the Alex Grace Media website. So um, yeah, check that out and connect with me. I'd love to. I'd love to hear from you and um, give you one or two codes if they still exist. <laughs> right, right. I think they <laughs> you know, will. Then, I really yeah. think that this has a lot of potential, like a lot of potential. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. It's definitely the thing that I'm jazzed about uh, this week. I'm for amped sure. about it. For I'm sure. so excited. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Alex, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time. See ya. <laughs> 
Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic book group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.